Lord God, Heavenly Father, in your goodness and graciousness, you created us in your image. And you sent your Son as the exact image of your being. So teach us to live in him, that all of who we are is defined by who he is and what he has done, that joined to him in his death and resurrection, we live with him in new life. Let us live our lives believing that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so let us read this text before us this day, that as we read these words of John, we might hear the intent of his writings, that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and in so believing have life in his name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so John 3. Uh, last week we did John 3.16, a verse you've, you've heard of. So if you have any questions about last week or any other week or just John 3.16 in general, now's the time. Anything you want to ask? I know I didn't cover it that well. You got to have some questions. Okay, well, we will back up and do 316 a little bit more, and then we'll move on through the rest of this section. So if you have questions and you're just too shy to ask, you haven't thought of them yet because you're tired, you can ask later. That's fine. Anytime. So let's read John 316 through 21. Thank you. Sorry. Poorly timed bite. All right. Thank you very much. So number one, this is a light question. It was a light momentary question here. What is the ter- determining factor of life? Believe in Christ. Yes. And this is, so believing, and we'll put in in parentheses, Believing Jesus, believing in Jesus, believing who he is, believing what he did, believing Jesus. This, according to the Gospel of John, is what determines your eternal reality. Nothing else. Okay? And this is really important. I'm getting hand signals from the crowd. I don't know what's going on. Oh, you have an itch. Oh, good. I was like, what is wrong? I don't know. Usually when Robin does this or 
you know, this, I'm just adjusting things, I don't know. But in the Gospel of John, and it is very clear in this writing, in all of John's writings, is that he is convinced that believing Jesus determines your eternal being. Now just let that sink in for a second. This isn't just true for Christians. This isn't just true for people in the Lutheran church. This isn't just true for Western civilization. This isn't just true for the people who read the Bible. John believes that this is true for every single creature. Every person's eternal reality is based on belief in Jesus. If you believe Jesus, you live eternally. If you deny Jesus or don't believe in Jesus, what do you get? Condemnation. Condemnation. Judgment. Okay? This is the offense... This is the offense of Christianity. Is that we believe that Jesus determines everything. And no one else gets a say. How dare you think that? How dare, honestly, answer. How dare you think that? Everyone in India who's a Hindu, there's a, that's a lot of them, a lot of people in India, they believe there are 32 million gods and you can take your pick. And as long as you serve them faithfully within their realm of what it means to serve faithfully, you get to move up the chain in life. You get reincarnated in a higher life form. If you don't serve the gods faithfully, you get reincarnated into a cockroach. And I asked somebody one time, I asked a Hindu friend, I said, how, if I met, because he was mad at me for being a Christian, he said, oh, as a Christian, you're going to be smushed. You're like, you're going to go down. And I'm like, okay, because I'm exclusive. And I said, great, so I'll probably come back as a cockroach. He's like, yeah, probably. I said, well, how do I become a good Hindu cockroach? What do I do? I just need to know for the next life. Great. Yeah, he's like, well, whatever cockroaches do, do it well. I'm like, well, there you go. I'm doing good human stuff. I'm believing in Jesus. So I'm not making fun of Hindus. My point is, in a world in which everyone in this world says the given is God, right? I mean, even atheists believe there's a God. That's why they're atheists. If they didn't believe there wasn't a God, there wouldn't be atheists. The whole point is there's a God. I just don't like him. Right? So, in a world in which we all generically believe in a divine being, a supreme being, someone up there, whatever you want to call it, a spirit guide, and we all have different ways to talk about that divine being, right? Well, I think it's, I think it's Buddha, 
And I think the whole point of Buddha is that, that we get to nothingness. And so the divine being is a great nothingness. Well, I think it's Hindu. And so the divine being is like an ocean. It's kind of formless and kind of just big and pervasive. We're all just drops in that ocean. And that the goal of all this is become a drop in that ocean. Be careful of Christian Henry. He talks about drops in oceans. Ooh, that's Hindu. See, and, and in all these spiritualities where, well, it's actually a guy in the East that you got to bow down to five times a day or three times a day, and you got to keep the five pillars of Islam because this God demands perfection. And that's just the way you talk about your God. Well, Jesus is the way you talk about your God. And we walk and we say, no, Jesus isn't the way I talk about my God. Jesus is the determining factor for everyone. All those things you just said, No. Jesus. You mean that guy that walked around the Middle East and said, like, love each other and be kind, and now you're telling me I'm going to hell? That doesn't seem very Jesus y. Coexist. And yet you say, by your sitting here, by your attending this congregation, by your confessing to be a Christian, you are saying that they're all wrong and that Jesus is the only way. That he is the only determining factor for all of reality. Yeah or no? That's what the Gospel of John says. That's what the New Testament says. And if you listen to the New Testament, that's what the Old Testament also says. Right? From Genesis to Revelation and back again... The proclamation is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is the determining factor for the eternal reality of each and every person. Now here's the good news. He has done it all. Jesus has accomplished every single thing needed for you to be saved. He even believed correctly. Did you know that? Jesus had perfect faith. You're not called to have perfect faith. Jesus had perfect faith. Trust in him even when you don't have faith. Trust in him to be the faithful one. Right? See, that's the gospel we have. Is that this one thing that determines all of reality? God has done it. God has done it. It is finished. And it is for you. Can you go land in the middle of a Hindu land and walk up to anybody in Hindu land and say, this God has sent his son for you? Can you do that? Yes. It's for you. God did it for you. Why? John 3.16. For God so loved the world... World is not a size, it's actually a problem. World is actually all the evil stuff in John. For God loved all the things in his creation that are now against him. God loved that so much that he sent his son that whoever believes, right? Whoever, anyone who believes has eternal life. Susan. you don't necessarily have to get through. You put the words out there and trust the spirit to work on those. I do. But if 
when they don't even accept the Bible alone, John I don't care. 16, you know, how do you so let me ask this if I establish that the Bible is true does that make the Bible true if I prove the Bible is true does that make the Bible true if somebody that I'm talking to disproves the Bible as being true does that make it untrue if the whole world says the Bible is just an old book written by a bunch of guys that were thrown together in the 4th century by the church because they wanted to teach Jesus being the God that they like because they're all in with this whole Constantine issue and Christianity is their legal religion so they got to provide some kind of proof of that so they made up Holy Scriptures. Everyone's got Holy Scriptures so we don't have our own. Does that actually make the Bible less true? What are you trying to prove? Is the proclamation of the church that the Bible is true? Is your eternal reality based on the truthfulness of Scripture? I hope not. I just said it's not. I just said it's all contingent on Jesus. Jesus. So I really don't care if they believe the Bible is the word of God or not. What do you do? You do believe it. They believe what they're saying is true and they're not backing down from that. Well, I don't believe that old book. I saw a show on the History Channel that says it's just an old book. It's like, well, okay, you're willing to express your opinion on all this. You're willing to try to you believe about the Bible. Here's what I believe about the Bible. It's true. It's the word of God. So here's what it says. See, we all come at it and we say, well, I believe this. Well, I believe that. And then for some reason, Christians think we need to concede the Bible. They're like, well, I don't believe the Bible's the word of God, so you can't use it as authoritative. And you go, well, what book are you using as authoritative to tell me that I can't use the scriptures as authoritative? There's some authority we're invoking here. Well, I saw a Wikipedia page. Yeah, let's go with Wikipedia <laughs> to determine eternal realities. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. See, and that's the point, Susan, is that don't concede the field. Don't give up the truth of the scriptures. Don't give up the truth of Jesus. I don't care if they look at you and say, that's just an old book. Say, yeah, I got a better one. What book are you reading? We're all reading books. We're all downloading stuff from the internet. We're all listening to podcasts and we're assigning authority to things. Well, you know what? My authority is Jesus. And I'm not worried about someone saying I'm wrong because it doesn't make him wrong. This world could not make your Jesus wrong. This world cannot take your God and make him less than divine. It can't. Nobody can walk up to you and take Jesus off the cross. Nobody can walk up to you and put him back in his tomb. He is God in the flesh. He is the one who died and rose again. And nothing can change that. And that's all you're saying. Right? Well, you're a pretty bad example of that. Yes, I am. <laughs> Welcome to understanding who I am. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, I stink at this. That doesn't change who Jesus is. Does it? That's our witness. What's that? I said thankfully no. Thankfully no. <laughs> right? So the world comes up and says, well, homosexuality is no longer a sin. And you go, huh. That's an interesting stance. Why would you say that? 
what why do why would you want to have that kind of a movement? Why would you have that kind of discussion? I'm not going to call on you, Pastor. You think you just waltz in here and raise your hand and I'll call on you? You think that's the way it works? Yes, Pastor. I think it's um, it's nice to be part of a Bible study. Um, is that um, is that it is the desire to be fair, which isn't what the point of the church is. The point of the church is just, and the only justice that comes is through Christ. Right. And and I think most people, and I think this is where a lot, a lot of people when they struggle with that, or you know, when you, you've been to Africa and you see just lines and lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of people who have no clue and have never heard. Mm-hmm. And you think, it, it's just, it's unfair to our, you know, and then we have to remember it's unfair because we're putting our sense of fairness across it instead of understanding it's, it's about justice and the only justice that makes it in this world is Christ. And the world has to make other make up other kinds of justices because they can't get justice. Yeah. What if what if justice is actually defined by God so loved the world that he gave his only son? What if that's actually justice? This is actually a huge issue in the book of Isaiah. What Pastor just said is actually the, one of the main themes of the book of Isaiah. Mishpat. Isn't that a great word? That's something you should name your dog. Mishpat. It's the Hebrew word for justice. And Isaiah is always walking around going, well, when God shows up, we're going to see some mishpat. And people are like, yay! And he's like, I don't think you understand what that means. <laughs> because when God executes mishpat, and you are not holy, what happens? You get smushed. And what happens to Israel when God shows up with his mishpat in the book of Isaiah? In the history of the Old Testament, after the Exodus, when they're in the promised land, and God shows up with mishpat, what happens? You guys know the answer. 722 B.C. and 587 B.C. What happens? The Syrians and the... Babylonians, exile. When God shows up with mishpat and you say, well, look at us. He goes, you're out. But listen to Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. For she has received double for all of her iniquities. Her sins have been pardoned. Right? And now the mishpat of God is not judging you based on your righteousness, but judging you based on his unfailing love, his chesed. Right? Chesed is another dog name from the Old Testament. You should name your dog chesed. <laughs> chesed is the Old Testament word for grace, or God's unfailing love, or if you will even, Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, justice is not determined by the people's sins, but by God's unfailing love. Listen to Jeremiah 31. I'm going to make a new covenant because the first covenant you guys totally messed up. But here's the new reality is that I will forgive your sins. That's the basis of the covenant. And and Hebrews 8 says that this new covenant is Jesus. So that's what, we're, that's what we're proclaiming, is that the justice of God, you want justice, so do I. 
The justice of God is in mercy in his son, Jesus Christ. Is that fair? Well, I'm not sure if you have the, the right position to tell God what's fair or not, but if you think you do, then you, know, you can take it up with him one day. But you're going to stand before him as judge, and he does not ask for your opinion on how he's supposed to judge. That's part of the privilege of being God. See, and what's happened is we've said that God has to submit himself to our view of fairness. We go, well, I don't think you know what the word God means. Because God doesn't submit himself to us at all. He does what he wants. Yeah? Okay? And that's, that's a huge conversation to have. Is, is, um, and what's really fun... Anyway, that's a, that's a tangent. We won't go on any tangents today. Okay, so, so that was number one. <laughs> any other questions or thoughts? What I'm trying to say is don't be scared. When you proclaim Christ, you are proclaiming the eternal truth of God, not your opinion, not your feeling. You are simply saying words that are eternally true. So don't be scared. Don't be scared. Even if they laugh at you or call you names or say you're wrong, it's okay. You are speaking the truth of God. Right? It has been given to you as a gift. It's yours. Have fun with it. So number two, did Jesus come to judge? No. No. What do you say in 317? For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved. Well, this is fun, isn't it? Let's go to John chapter 9. Yeah, he's going to say what? He's going to judge everyone. <laughs> John 9.39. I know, it's okay. It's all right. John 9.39. Turn there. Yes, Susan. And whatever? Well, she was looking at the man. Husbands are bad enough. <laughs> John 4 is a whole different issue. We'll get there in six weeks or something. Okay. That's the next chapter. Okay. Yeah, he, no, he doesn't actually. It's kind of weird what he does with her. But doesn't he? He's just telling what she, the life she's lived. Yeah, and okay. kind of saying that's not, that's not life. That's actually death. Well, he kind of judges everyone. We'll see. John 9, 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not, do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. See, the Bible isn't true. It contradicts itself all over the place. <laughs> Even in the book of John, I can't figure out what Jesus did. He did not come to, to judge the world, to condemn the world. And then... Six chapters later, I came to judge the world. Well, which is it? Which is it? The coolest thing about being a Lutheran is you look at every problem in the face and you go, yep. <laughs> is it this or that? And Lutherans go, yep. Is it both? No, it's just yes. Is the sacrament a symbol? 
or is it the real presence? Yes. yes. Lutherans go. Yeah. Are we doing this because in this we get forgiveness of sins, or are we doing it because we're supposed to remember Jesus? And Lutherans go, yeah. Well, you have to decide. We go, Jesus said. Right? Jesus said. Does that mean I have to understand every single thing Jesus said? No, because I don't. This one I do, however, so don't worry about that. But, but what John 3.17 is getting us to understand is that Go ahead. Is it he came to save the world, but in doing so, there's going to be judgment? Yes. Good. That's one good way to say it. Is that the the reason God sent him was to save. The result of that is going to also be judgment. Okay? And that's part of the reality is whenever God shows up, he shows up to save. However, when a holy God walks into the middle of unholy people, what happens? They die. That's judgment. And so, Jesus is... Um, we talked about this in verse 15, or in 14, I guess. As Moses lifted up the servant of the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And remember when we talked about the title, Son of Man. In Daniel chapter 7, which is a huge prophecy, I think it's 13, I'm guessing at the verses, I think it's 13 to 14, it might be 12, 13, somewhere around, doesn't matter, just read Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, the Son of Man comes to judge. As a matter of fact, the Son of Man is the judge. And this was an important messianic belief of the Jews when Jesus showed up on earth was they believed that this son of man figure, they didn't know what that meant. They just had this son of man idea. You can read about this. Uh, the son of man thought and rabbinic thought. Um, they believed whatever it was about him that the one thing he was going to do is the end of times he was going to judge the entire world. Okay, it's one thing they knew. He was going to show up to be the judge. And God sa- and Jesus says, well, God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save the world. Not to judge it, but to save it. Now, part of that saving the world is he is going to return as judge. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And your eternal reality is based on your belief in him. So on the last day, he will stand as judge. And all those who are in him will receive life. And all those who do evil will receive death, punishment, eternal suffering. Why? Well, he said so, but why does he say so? Because they do not believe in God's own son. When you deny what God says to be true, you are calling God a liar. He doesn't take too kindly to that. This is actually the reason that the church cannot 
Now listen to this. I want you to understand this. This is the reason why the church cannot change what God says is a sin to meet society's demands. Because we cannot look at God and say, you're a liar. We can't. We don't have that position, do we? Do we get to walk up to God and say, no, you're wrong? Well, why am I wrong? Well, because we've progressed as a race. We understand things better than you do. And he goes, well, someone's a little big for the bridges. Who gave you the understanding? Exactly. Well, what's that? Let's review, right? <laughs> Let's start over. I've told you guys this a thousand times. One of my favorite jokes in the world is there's a scientist and there's God. And they're like, and God says, well, I want to make a world. And scientists, well, I can make a world. I figured it all out. And they say, and God says, let's go. And so God starts speaking and the scientist starts going over here and grabs some dirt. And God goes, oh, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> but see, that's the reality is we think we're so awesome. And God goes, are you kidding you don't even know what the word God means. Okay? So that's one of the things that this is why the church cannot compromise on some things. Because we don't have the right to look at God and say, you're a liar. You're wrong. No. We don't get to do that. We have to learn to live in submission to God. And part of that is, is that Jesus didn't come to judge the world. So at the end, he is going to judge the world. He came to save the world. Where part of his job as Savior is to come the last day as a judge. And that can annoy you, but that's, what it's, that's what's going to happen. You guys say this like every Sunday, by the way. Right? You see to the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. I'm glad they took out quick, because I'm getting a little slower in my old age. Can I ask that? What does that mean? Quick, quick. quick. Um, think about quick, think about it like in, in um, fingernails. Okay, go ahead with the fingernail analogy. Well, that is the, weird. The, most of that stuff is is dead material, but that little white stuff right in there—that's the quick, and that's what's really still alive. And if you have a dog and you try to trim their nails and you you cut the quick, what happens? Yelping. Yelping, and then you got a little bloody paw, right? Because the quick is still alive. And that's actually what it means. If someone is quickened, that means they're alive. Actually, that's what the word quick means even when it comes to how fast you are. You're not dead. You're moving, right? But that's, so quick and the dead is simply an old school way of saying living and dead. You're alive. Love the law and judgment all go hand in hand. Started in the beginning. Yeah. God's great love. He gave his law. It's broken. There's a judgment. Right. And, and that judgment is judging between the light and the darkness because they can't build it. Well, it's judging, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So all these things that God does, part of the character of God, and this is, this is one of those weird phrases that I don't know, it's not biblical, but it's fun, is the righteousness that God requires is the righteousness that his righteousness requires him to require. So that God does require righteousness because he is righteous. And this is something we, again, we don't get to tell God he's wrong. Is that his holiness is of, of such a characteristic that it can't abide unholiness. 
This is Isaiah 6. You guys know the story. Isaiah has a vision of Jesus in the temple and the, and the seraphim are singing to him, holy, 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 right? Must be time for communion or something. And, and what does Isaiah say? He does not say, yay, I'm going to sing praise songs and clap my hands and feel good. What does he say? Woe to me, for I've seen the Lord. And I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a people of unclean lips. Meaning, uh-oh, in the presence of God, I'm in deep trouble. And what does God do? He sends forgiveness to him, to touch him. And then he says, all right, now, your sin has been atoned for, let's talk. Right? And that's a reminder that a holy God only allows sinners in through the forgiveness, through the atonement, through his action to remove your guilt. Once that has occurred, you are welcome to be with him. Jesus is that action of God removing your guilt. That's what he did. He came and he died and he rose again to forgive your sins, right? Y'all? Now, Robin and I had two little sinners. I don't know why that happened, but we did. It might be their parents' fault. And so, what did we do to give them Jesus? You baptize them, because when you're baptized, you're brought into that salvation, right? And that forgiveness is given to you. What should we do to be saved? Well, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and... You will receive the forgiveness of your sins. See? That forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross is given to us in baptism. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, which gives us faith. And so we grow up in this faith. And then we're like, well, you know, in order to keep our bodies going, we've got to eat. So what do we do? We come to church and we eat and drink. His body and blood. And what does pastor say? For the forgiveness of your sins. Like, oh, like in baptism, like on the cross, like when I hear the word, like when I confess my sins. All of this is about forgiveness because now a holy God has forgiven your sins and you are now welcome in his presence, not just now, but for all eternity. That's what John is saying. So he came to judge, but that's, that's not the primary movement of God sending him. He came to save the world. That's why God sent him. And the result of that is going to be judgment. And we'll, we'll see how that happens in the rest of John. Because John will actually say he comes to judge several more times. It's okay. So number three, what happens when the light shines on you? Shows your wicked works. Shows your wicked works, if you're guilty. Right? It exposes you. People don't like light because then, right? Susan? Right? Yeah, sure. Light of Christ. What does light of Christ do to you? Good. It also saves you. Okay, so one of the things that I keep saying over and over is that when God shows up, there's one of two results. You either die or you are 
made alive. And this is true for the light. Remember, go back to John chapter 1. This is your little hint, by the way. Whenever you're reading John, you go, huh. We'll go back to John 1 and see if he talks about it in the prologue, because he often does. And if it's not there, then keep reading the rest of the gospel. He'll, find, he'll say it again. He says everything at least twice. I like John, because he only knows one thing. He just keeps saying it over and over and over. All right, so look at John 1, verse... Well, let's start at 4. We're talking about Jesus. And it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is good light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, not John. He was not the light, but he came bear witness about the light and the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, so this is Jesus. And this is what John is talking to, talking about in John chapter 3 or alluding back to, is that this light, which enlightens everyone, it does have this effect, is that it brings us into the light of God's salvation. It also exposes us in our evil deeds. So now that you're saved, what do you do daily? Repent. Right? Are you scared to repent? No, it's actually a good thing, right? This is what people can't understand about us. They think we're depressed because we walk in and the first thing we say is, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And we look at them and go, that's not depressing. It's great. I am free to stand before God and admit all my failures because I know in Jesus, his answer is going to be forgiveness. I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to walk up to God and try to pretend to be something I'm not. I don't have to try to live up to some kind of standard. I don't. I can walk up and say to God, I deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. That's what I deserve. And I'm not lying about that. But for the sake of Jesus Christ, I'm not here to talk about my punishment. I'm here to beg you for mercy. Right? And in his mercy, he always says, you are forgiven. Listen to the small catechism. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. Always. If you have something that's burdening your conscience that you can't get over, call Pastor Cell and ask to come see him privately for confession. I promise you, he will listen to your sins. He cannot divulge them, even to himself. And he will put his hand on you, and he will pronounce absolution. Not because you're so wonderful or because he's so wonderful, but because Jesus has done it. Yeah? Is that true, Pastor? Are you available for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolution. Absolution. <laughs> and you will not divulge our sins? No. Nope. Ever. Ever. Not allowed to. Ever. Ever. Okay? So. Lips are the, sealed. Lips are sealed. Even to yourself. 
That means the next time he sees you, he won't see you as, oh, he's, there's that person that's guilty of, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. There's that person that is forgiven in Christ. Yeah? It's difficult to do as humans. As humans. That's why he wears a black shirt with a white collar. Because he can't do it as a human. Are we still people? It keeps me in line. That's right. Right. It's not, it's not for everybody else. Sometimes it's for you. Yeah. Different times you said that we do absolutely nothing to save ourselves. That's right. Nothing. Is it belief saving? No. Well, yes, belief is saving, but it's not something you do. Okay? And this is, that's a very good question. So a lot of people hear the, the Bible and say, well, yeah, God's done it all. You have to believe. Okay? Well, how do we, what do we say about that, people? What, what would you say about that? Holy Spirit. Right, the Holy Spirit gives us faith. Why doesn't it give everyone faith? Oh. I have no idea. It tries. But fails? So now the Holy Spirit's unable to do what he wants? Yeah, sometimes. So God wants everyone to save, but he stinks at it. So most people aren't. Is that what you want to say? No. Nope. That doesn't work. What is the answer to the question, why are some saved and others aren't? We have, we have, we have two clergy sitting here staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the... I'm going to go to, to Pastor Zagor. It's in the hidden wall of God. He doesn't tell us, so we don't know. Isn't that a good Lutheran answer? <laughs> He just takes all of these questions and goes, I'm not God. And that's one he didn't tell us the answer to. So what do we do? We don't answer it. You know what the answer to that question is? I don't have a clue. I don't know. This is actually the question of theology. This is all great. This is all well and good. I like it. Why doesn't it work? And you go, oh, I'm not God. Pastor, you want to have a different answer? It, it's, it's the same answer, basically. It's none of my business. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a, I always follow up, and it's such a blessing to each one of us that God's business is not all our business. All of God's business is not our business. And here's what I would say. Here's what I would say if somebody asked me that. I don't know, but I do know this, that God loves you. And he's done something about it. I can't answer for all the what-ifs in the world. I can't. I don't even want to. Because I don't want the job of God. But I can tell you this. God loves you. And the death and resurrection of Jesus is for you. And if you're concerned, if you're concerned about people being saved, let's make sure every person that we meet knows about Jesus. Because that's the way that God does salvation. Right? Before we get too uppity about God not doing a very good job of being God, maybe we should go about being witness to the love of God to every single person we know. Every single person we know. And make sure that nothing happens in our lives where the person that walks away from our conversation doesn't know about the love of Jesus.
I was at Home Depot yesterday because um, God created creatures that eat my house. I don't know why he did such things, but he did. <laughs> so we had to replace some parts of our house because very mean yellow jackets and hornets and stuff had eaten it. And while we were there, this man walked up to us and he said, I don't know how you did it, but they won. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. We were like, what? Well, Robin had a blue shirt on that said, play Gloria. And I had a shirt on that talked about Jesus and the Reformation. And somehow I conflated the two shirts and decided that I had done something to make the blues win. <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, yeah. And so he followed us out of Home Depot, talking about how wonderful it is that the blues won the Stanley Cup. And how he hopes that the Cardinals win the World Series. And I said, yeah, I agree. It was wonderful they won. It was fun. And I sure hope the Cardinals can figure out how to hit a baseball. Because right now they can. And pitch, maybe. That might help, too. And when they win 11 times, then I'll think it's okay. Yeah, when they just keep winning over and over and over. Um, but see, the point is, it was a complete stranger who walked up and was more than happy to make sure I understood his feeling on the Blues and the Cardinals and what it's like to be a St. Louisan and all the sports car in the world. And so we don't walk away from a conversation without any misunderstanding about who we root for. Well, what if every conversation in your life, you made sure that the people knew what God has done for them in Christ? What if that became our evangelism program as our Savior Lutheran Church? That every single person in this congregation says, I'm going to do my level best to make sure in every conversation I bear witness God's love in Christ. In whatever way I can. And we'll just let the Spirit work with that. Right? We're not going to tell him what he has to do with it. We're not going to make decisions about who has to be saved and who's not. We just go out and tell people about God's love in Christ. Why would you do that? Because our eternal reality is based on belief in Jesus. I believe that. Yeah, I don't know what that sign means. I'm actually just stopped at a light quickly after that, and I'm like, I didn't really enter anything. I kind of drove up and stopped. <laughs> I was guessing it's for the new library. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we go out from here with the message that we heard here. It's not that hard. All right, so number four. How do we live? Look at verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So how do you live? Everyone turn to Galatians. And I, I never do this. I never leave John to go to Paul. But yeah, this is an exception. Galatians 2.20. If you don't know this verse, you need to memorize it. It is the very best verse in the entire Bible. I have that on authority for my PhD in New Testament studies. That told me that this is the very best verse in the entire Bible. This guy even has a PhD in Paul's letters, and he said this. So he has to be right. Galatians 2.20. Someone read that for us. 
crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you hear that? The I part of me? What happened to it? Dead. The fact that I'm living in my body? What do I do if the I part of me is dead? How do I live? Christ. Christ lives in me. Think about that for a second. The I part of you is dead. The Christ part of you is alive. So every morning we wake up in the morning, what do you do? You pray that the I part of you would be put to death and that the Christ in you would be raised up. And so that every single person you encounter, what do they see? Christ in you. Not the I in you. What eternal reward do we get for knowing Roger? Not a whole lot. What eternal reward for seeing the Christ in him? Right? Now here's the thing. Is each one of you is an individual created by God to serve in the church in a unique way. So this is not a disillusion of people. What this is, is putting the proper focus on what enlivens us to be. Right? You serve how you serve because Christ has made you that way in order to serve. Not yourself, but everyone else. That's what Christ in you does. Christ in you loves loves God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and loves neighbor as yourself. Now stop loving yourself so much and learn to love your neighbor that much. Okay? So this is actually what happens is Jesus says those who are living in their sin don't want the light because their evil deeds will be exposed. But those who trust in Christ, those who believe in the Son of God are happy to have the light shine on them because when it does, it is revealed that God is the one who is doing the work. Do you see the difference? When I'm focused on me, what happens? I'm hiding, lest anyone see my evil. When God is the one at work, let the whole world see it. That it might be plainly seen that the works are done by God. Okay? And that's really... Um, the way that John is going to help us as we go through this gospel understand how we live out our faith is that the works that we are doing are the works that God is doing in us. And that's, that's the question of, is believing our part? No. Believing is just evidence of God's work in you. This is why I always say, if Lutherans want to know who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing, what do you do? Don't tell Pastor I said this. You look around during church. And if anyone else is saying the creed, who's at work? It's the Holy Spirit. Right? In this crazy world in which there are thousands of options on what to believe, and there are all kinds of false teaching, and the Bible is being torn apart as being an old book doesn't mean anything, and all these things going on, we come together and there are other people in this room who say, 
I believe in God. Not generically. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And I look at you and go, you, are you out of your mind? Haven't you read the internet? And you go, well, it gets worse. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Well, yeah, He was a good teacher. No, 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 no. I believe that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. You do? How could you believe that? And we say, this is the Holy Spirit keeping the Christian church in the one true faith. The light has shined on us and it has been exposed that what we are doing are the works that are wrought by God. That's why you're here, to look at each other and say, you got spirit? Yes, we do. <laughs> you got spirit? I'm, this is actually, sorry, I shouldn't tell you this, but I got to go pretty soon because um, I got to record church for KFU or something. Um, when I was a little kid, I was sitting in the, in the, in the stands in, in Belgium. We were watching a football game, which is weird in Belgium. Um, and the cheerleader said, we got spirit, yes, we do. We got spirit, how about you? And, and everyone said, we got spirit, yes, we do. And I thought, well, this is great. This is like church. Everybody here is a Christian. My mom's like, no, 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 no. Not that kind of spirit, school spirit. And then I was scared to death to go back to school. I thought there was a spirit in our school. I did not want to go back to school. I started crying. I was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm scared to death to go in there. There's a spirit in there. She's like, no, 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 no. It's not that kind of spirit. I was so confused. I still am. I don't understand it all. But, but the point is, is that when, when we see the works that God is doing, where is the focus? It's always driving us to Christ. Always driving us to Christ. Which is good news because... Your eternal reality is determined by that. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and to rise again. He did it. Your sins are forgiven. You belong to God for all of eternity. Nothing is stronger than that. Yeah? Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, shine the light of Christ on us. Teach us to repent of our sins, to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness, for he is the one that you sent. He is the one that you gave, that in him we might have life. Lord, on this day, when we hear once again the words of life, let us rejoice in those words. Let us praise you for your grace, and let us bear witness of that love to all of those that we meet, that together with them, by the power of your spirit, we might rejoice together in the light that is Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you all.